Welcome to Demond Does the Six Questions, where the same six questions can tell a unique story. I am your host, Demond, father of two, husband of one, and leader of this here Demondcast. Whether it's your first time or this time, thank you for tuning in for another six questions. Please take time out to jump on the podcast app you're listening to right now and leave a five-star review. And it could say anything from I like cream cheese to what is question number six. After you finish that, please tell your friends. That's how you can grow the show and more people can join the conversation. My next guest, one most original in high school, has 20 tattoos and has watched every episode of the Digimon anime. Ladies and gentlemen, please welcome the co-host of Chris and Eric's Long Box Adventure. Please welcome Eric Thank you. I think that's the most enthusiastic introduction I've ever received. Oh, that's so, that, that, I don't know if that makes me sad or happy. <laughs> no, that's no. good. It's good. Thank you. <laughs> you are welcome. You are welcome. First of all, you are really into the Digimon anime. So, how did you get digimatized? Essentially, it's just one of those things where, you know, how when you're like a small child, those things you discover then just sort of imprint on you for your whole life. So, it basically, all just comes down to like, turning on the TV when I was probably six years old or so, and then episode happens to be on, instantly get obsessed, and it all just goes from there. And you've watched all of them? Why uh, Digimon and not Pokemon? I suppose beyond just, like, what happened to be on, a lot of it just being, like, the character writing I always really like. Like, the show tended to do a lot of stuff with how to term it i guess just sort of like the issues that the kids would be going through like even from the early shows they would have like characters who are like dealing with parents getting divorced or they are just like have like character arcs around like finding out they were adopted and a bunch of stuff like that where like even though it was this kids monster show they had to deal with just like problems that felt I guess just real for lack of a better word and that hooked me and got me thinking about that sort of stuff even from a young age. That's pretty cool. Yeah. What was most original? What did that mean? Mostly it just meant most gay, I think, considering where I came from. When I came out, I was the first out boy in my middle school's history So it was kind of a culture shock and then went up to high school. And even though like there were a couple other people that came out, there were never very many of us. I came out when George Bush was president, which I don't know, not to like overstate, you know, how much things have changed, but like it was different. And I think it made a pretty big splash. And I remember like we were doing like the photo shoot for the yearbook too. And like one of the yearbook girls asked me, she was like, what's unique or original about you? And I was just mostly sitting there like, well, y'all are a bunch of straight people or haven't told anyone else otherwise. And I think y'all just don't really know what to do with me. So here we are. Before we get into the six questions, 
Thank you for taking time out to talk to a perfect stranger. I appreciate that. And where would you like to be found on the internet? Thank you for taking time to talk to a stranger as well. On Twitter, I'm at Zorak Richardson. That's Zorak as in the mantis that's always bugging Space Ghost on Space Coast, Coast to Coast, and then just Richardson. And uh, as you already mentioned, I co-host Chris and Eric's Longbox Adventure. That's on Twitter at Longbox Advent. And anyone who's interested, we should be on basically every podcast feed that you can think of whatever podcast feeds that your show is on, I'm sure, you know, just pull up your Apple or your Spotify or whatever and give us a listen. And it's a really good listen. All right, Eric, are you ready to answer the six questions? Yeah. Question number one. When did you know you wanted to get into podcasting? So I don't remember like, a specific moment, but as I started getting more into listening to podcasts, I don't know, maybe like five years ago or so, I tried checking out a bunch of different stuff, tried to find podcasts about, you know, books, comics. I read a lot is the main thing I do with my time off. And mostly my partner and I were having a bit of trouble finding like comic podcasts they were like steered by other gay people. And so the first podcast I was a part of before my current one was called Queering the Guillotine. And it was basically just us talking about all sorts of pop culture stuff, mostly comics and manga, but it was a bit more loose form than the one I'm about now or the one that I co-host now. And essentially it was just kind of a matter of being like, well, if I'm having trouble finding this thing, let me try and put it out there and see if I can make the sort of content that I would like to see. And thankfully, in the years since, I feel like there's been a real increase in just like, I guess, as podcasts go more mainstream, just more and more of them come out and more diversity and like the people making them. So that's been nice to see. And after a while, my partner and I mostly due to the work of it all, ended up putting our old podcast on hiatus. But I still sort of had that itch of like, I want to, you know, get on the radio and just talk about what I'm reading. And so that's when I reached out to my friend Chris. And that's how we started up Longbox Adventure. How did you choose comics versus manga or anything else? Essentially, I think it was a matter of not wanting to limit ourselves too much, which like, you know, not that a specific topic is like a bad thing. You know, plenty of shows have like hyper specific subject matter and they're still great. But I think it was mostly a matter of like, I love comics. I've loved comics since I was a little kid. And I try to read like a large variety of stuff, you know, like various characters, various companies. And I just kind of felt like it was important to not only create a show where we could talk about you know like spider-man or x-men but try and like shine a spotlight on other works that say like weren't from the american industry or like branched out genre wise like we've talked about some westerns some romances some sci-fi so in terms of like not just doing like manga or just like 
American comics or anything like that. I think we mostly just wanted to do like a love letter to the medium as a whole. What obscure comic are you looking forward to reviewing that you haven't reviewed yet? Well, one of the next ones that we have up on our slate is going to be a late 90s manga magazine called Pulp. And basically, Viz Media put it out in the late 90s. And it was basically them trying, back when the market in America was like very different, it was them trying to sort of bring the magazine manga culture over to America a bit and to bring a publication that was like specifically aimed at adults. So like before that time, of course, you already had, you know, plenty of things were getting translated like Dragon Ball and you had those sorts of hits. But Pulp was largely about doing these sort of comparatively lesser known like Japanese indie comics that really varied in a lot of like genre and audience wise. Like when we talk about it, it's going to be our first time doing an anthology too, but it's going to basically give us the opportunity to talk about like basic humor comics, but also like rom-coms, spy drama, gay crime noir. So I think it's going to be a fun mix. Question number two. What do you wish you had known when you first started out? Honestly, just how much work and how long it takes. Because like when I was on Queering the Guillotine before, my partner did most of the editing versus with Longbox, I now handle most of the editing. And even seeing my partner spend so much time at the computer, there's really no preparing until you do it for just how intimidating and long it can take to take like a raw audio file and edit it down to like, get it sounding the way you want it to like those early weeks when I was, you know, having my first time spending hours at, you know, just with the file in front of me, I wish I had known a bit more going in how much of a time commitment it is, which I don't regret it. And I think it's worth it, but I think now I can sort of allot my time better and plan on splitting it up and just working around schedule better than when I started. Yes, every podcaster that is listening to this right now is nodding their head. Yes. Takes so much time. You and every podcaster can relate to that one. What's your favorite episode so far? Going off the top of my head, I'm really happy with a two-parter we did about the Rawhide Kid, who essentially was this, like, 60s, 70s Marvel Western hero, and... In the 2000s, they did a new volume bringing the character back where they reimagine the character as a gay man. And it sort of plays with the concept of like living legend and like, you know, mysterious hero of the West who like travels from town to town. And it just sort of plays with innuendo and like, oh, what does a gay hero in this environment in like the late 1800s, like what does that look like? How does that play into folkloric expectations of like his reputation precedes him? But also every time like new residents meet him, they're always surprised by how just stereotypically gay he is because they hear about 
this super skilled marksman, you know, who's always like saving towns from bandits and he's the best shot in the West. And then they meet him and it's just this moment of none of them ever expecting that that person would be gay. And it's a bunch about like expectations for the character and the genre sort of being subverted. Question number three. What's your go-to order at your favorite hometown restaurant? So where I grew up, there's this Indian restaurant that is just one of the best restaurants I've ever been to. Every single time, because I knew how good it was, I would always just get their butter chicken and get a bunch of the naan bread, like garlic naan, and then you can get just the various types of just all sorts of stuff stuffed into them. and. I don't know, maybe it's a bit simple of an order, but good Indian food is good Indian food. As long as it is delicious. It is very delicious, yeah. How'd you run across it, and how did you find out you liked Indian food? I think it was basically just happenstance, a mixture of that and my dad, because we first went, like, when I was still a kid or maybe, like, early in my teens, you know, still living with my parents. And my dad has always been the type of person who likes to try and eat a little bit of everything. You know, he, I think, has had basically every type of, you know, international food that you could possibly could. Like, he's that sort of open-minded, like, check out what's out there sort of person. And so he would take us to all sorts of places and that's basically how I discovered both like Indian food and that specific restaurant. Question number four. What are you curious about? Mostly I'm curious about what my cat is thinking when I spend my days hanging out with him and he spends a lot of time curled up, either sleeping or just sort of lounging nearby And he'll just give me these looks, and sometimes they look judgmental. Sometimes it's as if I don't even register on his list of concerns because he's that much higher of a being than I am. And no matter what he's doing, I'm just obsessed with him and wonder what's going on in his little mind. Have you always been a cat person? Oh, yeah. Yeah, ever since I was a kid. How's your cat? Um, he's about eleven now, I think. So he's starting to get old and embittered. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's like, why are you here? Don't you have some place to be? <laughs> yeah, it's like he's never like violent. Like he is like very sweet and well behaved. But even like when he's getting pet, he'll still give you that look. Like I'm so much better than you. Keep petting me. But who are you? Question number five. What should I ask you that I didn't know enough to ask? This was a tough one, honestly. I came up with just like, what's my favorite kaiju? The answer is Mothra. I've been watching my way through all the old like 60s, 70s Godzilla movies. It's just like something I've been doing right now. I just think they're neat. They're fun. Are you a kaiju fan at all? 
I actually did enjoy uh, the most recent one. What was it? Uh, Godzilla versus Kong or Kong versus Godzilla or something like that. I really, I actually, I was surprised I enjoyed it. Usually I don't get down with it. Is this something that you picked up as a kid or is this just a recent fascination? I guess more recent, like I had seen like a little bit as a kid too, but it's really only recently that I've really dived in and have been making my way through all those old movies as opposed to just like, you know, catching one every once in a blue moon. You know, like we talked about me liking Digimon ever since I'm a kid, I've or ever since I was a kid, I've just always loved like monster things. So it feels like an appropriate thing of like, how did I not watch all of these sooner? How do you compare the older ones that you've seen so far with the newer ones? I appreciate both. I think with the older ones, some of them feel a bit more kid oriented in a way that like isn't bad, you know, because, you know, media for everyone, that's fine. But I'm not a kid myself watching them for the first time. So, you know, it doesn't like hit me in the same way. Like some of like the humor and the silliness isn't like really directed at me. But I do love those old school style, like practical effects of like watching a really old Godzilla movie and just picturing that there is, in fact, a man in that suit stomping on, like, a model of a city and just, like, the other monsters and just the amount of, like, love and craft that went into making, like, every aspect of the movies when it, like, not trying to shit on CGI, but, you know, like, when it was basically all practical effects and not, like, computer-generated, it's just sort of fun to think about, like, Oh, yeah, a lot of work goes into, like, building that fake city just to have a dude in a suit come and stomp on it. Question number six. If you could create a new holiday, what would it commemorate? This one's kind of hard, too, because it's just like, I feel like there's supposedly a day for everything, but... We don't actually observe most of them, you know, or at least not very much. In terms of making something like new, new, I guess my mind just goes to memorial holidays of, I guess doesn't even need to be like a national thing or anything that big of scope. I just think of sort of tribute things, like in terms of say like comic books, taking the time every now and then to just think about the people that built the industry that are gone now. Just like thinking about like legends like Jack Kirby, Dwayne McDuffie, Neil Adams. I guess it's kind of morbid that when I think about holidays or observance, I go to just like, oh, dead people. Maybe that's too morbid of me, but I don't know. History is important. Absolutely. Absolutely. It's how we, it's how our stories keep getting perpetuated yeah if i uh, put you on the spot now and say this comic book creator needs to or this creator needs to have their holiday who are you picking that's hard but if i'm gonna go with just one just right now i'm gonna say probably Dwayne mcduffie because like you know even though there's so many that are deserving he's one of those cases which a lot of them are, but just like of a creator who sort of didn't get their credit nearly as much as they should have while they were alive. You know, like Dwayne McDuffie worked 
with basically every major company in the American comic scene. He was one of the co-founders of Milestone in the 90s. He, you know, he's the shit, <laughs> you know, and more people should know about him and what he did. I agree. Good taste. I'll go ahead and put my pitch out there. If you guys ever do any Milestone stuff uh, and you want and you need a guest, let me know. I loved Milestone. Absolutely. Yeah, if you would be interested, we'd love to do that. We'd love to have you. Well, uh, that is all the questions. Uh, do you have any parting words uh, for our listeners? Uh, anything? Thank you to the listeners for listening. Thank you for having me. Like you said earlier, thank you for taking time to talk to a total stranger. <laughs> Appreciate that. And for giving me the opportunity to just sort of go on little mini tangents. If any listeners are interested, like we said earlier, feel free. Chris and Eric's Long Box Adventure, give us a listen. Like I said, we try to give a little moment of appreciation to not just like superheroes, which are great, but not just that. Also, all sorts of stuff and just sort of keep love for the medium in general alive. Again, thank you once again for joining us, whether it's your first time or this time for the six questions. And if you like the show, tell the world. Jump on your podcast app and leave a five-star review and tell your friends. That's the best way to help us grow the show and more can join the conversation. Next week, we find out what you get when you mash up two storied animated franchises and make a podcast about it with the co-host of Don't Mance Dawn Podcast. Writer, podcaster, and gamer, Luke Herr. So, until next time, see you. Hear it, speak it.